Are you sick of major sports networks bashing athletes to help their bottom line? Do you want reliable information on sporting events and controversies? If so, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Pound Perspective, presented by Nate Dog Sports, a podcast based around discussions and debates about recent football, basketball, baseball, and MMA events. Now, here's your host, Nate Dog. Welcome back to the Pound Perspective, presented by Nate Dog Sports. I'm your host, Nate Dog. Here, co-host Ethan Red Evans is out today because of personal issues, uh, but we all will see him back next week in the studio with special guest Tyler Ferguson. But let's get into this episode, y'all. This is a big one. Uh, week one of NFL done. Uh, week two of college football done. Over the weekend, USC two seventy nine. Crazy card. Nate Diaz versus Tyler. Um, Tony Ferguson, sorry about that. Uh, I got to watch the, the whole main card, so I'll give you all a little bit of a uh, analysis of what I saw, uh, the, the novice mind that I have about UFC. But uh, I love the sport, and I, I'm trying to get more into it, and it's easily probably my third favorite sport right now. So I'll do a little bit of that, and we're going to preview UFC two, uh, 280 uh, coming in October uh, main card with uh, Islam Makachev and Charles Oliveira, as well as previewing this week's NFL games, the games that I like the most, uh, and give you all some score predictions on those. But let's start this thing off with this college football week two. Uh, some crazy games, but we got to stay local for this first one. USM versus Miami. I just want to give my respect to the Golden Eagles. Uh, they didn't win the game. It was a tough one. They lost it uh, in the second half. It was a... The heck of a game, though. It was a 30-7 to loss for the Golden Eagles to my uh, number 15, Miami. Uh, sorry about that, y'all. Uh, sorry, my computer is playing in the background. But, yeah, 30-7 30, 30 loss to my number 15, Miami, uh, in the Sunshine State of Florida. Uh, but I just want to break that one down real quick. Great first half. Uh, Wilkie came out um, and played the whole game. Started for the Golden Eagles. Did not expect to see that all game. I was, was expecting some super back in there. Uh, throughout the game, I honestly thought they were going to run Superback more than uh, Wilkie, and uh, at the end of the day, they just did Wilkie all game, made him the starter, made him the QB, uh, and played some real, real football and a real offensive system. And they gave them, they gave them, they gave the Hurricanes some hell in that first half, y'all. Uh, it was ten seven going into half, uh, but uh, you know, if you're losing to a team like that and you kind of halfway dominated the first half like they did, it's it sucks to see uh, your team down and. And Miami came out in that second half and said, all right, we're just going to run the ball. And that's what they did. They just ran it down USM's throat and and then just kind of took down that Golden Eagle defense that was so stout in that first half, especially against the run. They were stopping the run in the first half. And then, you know, Miami just, just kept bringing it to them. Uh, they got it out of Van Dyke's hands, even though Van Dyke is a good quarterback. He did not show up in that first half. Um, uh, credit to Southern Miss defense, though. Uh, they kept him in that game and – USM, I know it was only seven points, but at the end of the day, Wilkie looked like he was prepared. He was confident. That was it skills. Skills are one thing. Like these kids are coming out of high school with all the skills. Now it feels like I mean, a three star could become a, a a first round pick. It feels like now, and that's what Wilkie is. He's a three. He was a three star coming out of high school, and uh, what I noticed the biggest thing was his confidence and his composure on that field. In a road game against a ranked opponent, true freshman, your first college game ever is is against the, one of the most legendary universities of all time. I mean, the, those two thousand years were special in Miami, 
and to have the confidence go out there and just ball, you know, and, and not let the pressure get to them, it was very impressive to see. So uh, for Southern Miss fans out there that are listening, y'all got a guy. I think Zach Wilkie's a guy, and I, I think that uh, uh, the future is very bright uh, for the QB position in that offense for the Golden Eagles. Uh, but we're going to keep this one in the Sun Belt as I move on to the next game as crazy upset. Did not see this one coming as App State beat Texas A&M. Y'all heard that right. App State beat Texas A&M. Number six A&M. App State beats them 17-14, to 14, which is wild in, in, in itself after App State gave up so many points and yards to North Carolina in week one. I didn't think it was even possible for this team to hold a team under 20 points. Uh, but App State proved it. They proved that they have a, a good coaching staff and a team that can adjust uh, with film and watch that film and get better on defense. With that being said, though, A&M's offense is absolutely horrible. One of the worst offenses in the country. They don't know who their quarterback is. I, I'm not. I, I was honestly high on A&M coming into this season. I thought after beating Alabama last year, maybe they'll come in with some juice this year. You know, uh, maybe maybe it was their opportunity to win the SEC. But after if you lose to App State, and no offense to App State, App State's a very good team and very likely the favorites with Coastal Carolina and um, the Sun Belt. You can't lose to a team. You're, you can't lose to App State. I mean, the Sun Belt, it, it's not the SEC. But App State comes out there. I love this new nickname around ESPN. It's not, not the Sun Belt. It's the Fun Belt. So uh, I, that's what App State did. They brought the fun. They brought the grit. They they, they went out there and took that game from A&M. And, and it was an impressive win, I got to be honest. And, uh, and I'm not even going to stray away yet from the Sun Belt, y'all, because we had another crazy upset, another top 10 upset. Notre Dame, number eight Notre Dame, loses to Marshall. What? What is going on with college football this year, y'all? It's craziness. 2-0 Marshall now beats Notre Dame. The the, the Marcus Freeman era is off to an 0-3 start. I mean, and I know they were ready for Brian Kelly to leave, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if they're they're happy anymore, you know. As an LSU fan, I, I, I honestly like Brian Kelly. I know he lost week one to Florida State, but I think Florida State's a good team. Uh, but not to stray too far away from this Notre Dame-Marshall game. Crazy, craziness, absolute craziness. Notre Dame does not have an offense either, uh, plus their quarterback, uh, Tyler Boucher. Boucher, I think that's how I say his name. Sorry if I butchered that. I think that's right. Um, gets injured in that game, and he will be out for the rest of the season, I'm pretty sure. Um, so that helped Marshall. Uh, you never see when a player want to see a player go down, but it is part of the game. But uh, it helped Marshall. Um, they stopped that offense, man. They allowed only 21 points to Notre Dame to their 26. Amazing, amazing win for old Marshall out there, the Thundering Herd, uh, and for the Sun Belt. So you love to see that uh, in college football. The upsets make college football, in my opinion, and those two upsets made uh, this weekend. We almost had another big one, but uh, I'll save that one for last. I think everyone knows which one that one almost was. But one of my favorite games of the weekend, probably the most competitive Ish, eh, probably not the most competitive, but it was one of the most entertaining, I would say, because uh, I mean, either, both of these teams, it was a proven game. Whoever won this game, I felt like was a legitimate team in the SEC. And this game was the Kentucky versus Florida game. Um, and if y'all listen to the uh, the uh, Four Street Sports Show, we did our predictions on this game, and and uh, I, I was not high on Florida week one. And then I was high on week uh, Florida week two, and I I I I paid for that. I, I picked Florida to win this game, and 
Kentucky proved something. Uh, Will Levis proved something that this team can win in gritty games. I mean, Will Lev- Levis was nothing special, but uh, he wasn't bad. And that's that's all you need, it feels like, when you come to a game like this, uh, when you're facing an opponent like uh, Florida, you know, interconference rival with the same side of the SEC East with you. And, you know, you, you just got to be pre- prepared to face those teams that are riding high. I mean, Florida just came off of a top 10 win against Utah, and Utah won 73-7 to this week or something like that. Yeah, 73-7. to I mean, it was Southern Utah, but still, I mean, Utah's a pretty dang good team. Uh, so for this, for Kentucky, it proves that Kentucky's a legitimate team in the SEC. I think that maybe, maybe they could give some teams a run for their money. I don't know if they're – I don't think they're on Georgia's level yet over there in the East. But with Tennessee out there and, and – uh, and all those uh, other teams in the East uh, and South Carolina is making a little bit of a little bit of a, uh, a movement out there, and uh, obviously Spencer Rattler brings in uh, brings in press and and, and fans. But uh, I think Kentucky could compete over there. Uh, I don't know if they're on Georgia's level yet, like I said, but uh, it's an interesting team to keep an eye on, and uh, and also Will Levis as an NFL quarterback possibly because he was ranked as high as a top five pick coming into this season. So. That was an interesting game and great win for the Kentucky Wildcats. And then the biggest game of the weekend, and surprising for most, I, I imagine, especially Alabama fans, they uh, they were probably um, almost just losing it watching this one. As an Alabama hater, uh, I was very happy throughout this game until the end. Uh, Shout-out CDM, who is an uh, Alabama fan, sorry. Slash, not sorry, because y'all pulled it off. I mean, uh. I just want to come out here and just give credit to Texas, though. You know, um, I don't think Alabama's a bad team or nothing. I just think Texas is a good team. I think Texas has figured something out. They have their coach. They have their culture, it feels like. They have players that can compete with SEC talent. They have the best running back in the in the country. And, and they the quarterback that got hurt, Quinn Ewers, was the number one in his class. He he jumped up. He I think he reclassed. So he go to Ohio State, doesn't beat out uh, C.J. Shroud, and he comes in here and wins the job at Texas. And, I mean, Alabama fans can hate me for this, but I, I think that Texas pulls that one off if Ewers doesn't go down. Their offense was prolific with Ewers out there. That guy can make throws that only a couple quarterbacks can make in this country. And that was th- what I saw from Ewers in that small sample size against Alabama was enough to tell me that this dude's going to be the next guy uh, that could be running for a Heisman. Obviously, now he's going to be out for – a certain amount of time for Texas, sadly. But uh, as he progresses uh, year to year for Texas, I, I could see this guy in the running for Heisman. Uh, but at the end of the day, Alabama does what Alabama does. They don't They don't lose the close games, man. You know, one thing Alabama knows how to do is win those gritty games. They don't lose the games that they shouldn't be losing. I mean, I think the the, the, the rec- – I can't remember the exact record, but I don't think Nick Saban's lost an unranked uh, to an unranked team since he's been at Alabama. Um, obviously, Texas is now ranked after losing uh, to Alabama, uh, as they should have been already, I think, uh, going into that game. They, they, I think they're a top 15 team in the country, after, especially after lo- losing and competing very well with Alabama. It was a hell of a game. Uh, I loved every minute of it. And that, that game is just is college football personified. I mean, if, if someone asked you what college football was, why do you love it so much, I would put that game on. And just tell them to watch, you know, the moments, the craziness, the closeness, the the defensive battle. That that is college football personified. It wasn't offenses, 
going crazy 60 points. No, 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 no. College football personified was Alabama versus Texas this weekend, and that's all I got to say about that game. Hell of a game. Great win for Alabama, and honestly, a prideful loss for Texas. You can't be too mad about that one as they're moving in the right direction. But I think that will be enough for our college football recap today. Uh, Hell of a, hell of a week of college football, week two. Um, But let's move on to the NFL recap of week one. Wow. (laughs) I. What else can I say is wow. I mean, God bless craziness around the entire league pulling up the scores now. I mean, as a Saints fan, I mean, y'all probably understand the the heart attack I had in that game. Uh, It was every single emotion a a football fan could probably have uh, throughout a game and and then somehow pull off a win in the craziest of fashions. Um, But let's get into this. Uh, Obviously, uh, the biggest and saddest news, because he is one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league, um, co-host is his favorite team and possibly one of his favorite players, Dak Prescott, injury for the Cowboys. Um, impacting on the season, is it's going to impact it pretty bad. I, I, I Immediately, I was I, I thought that um, maybe the Cowboys could uh, push through this. I don't, I was, you know, I didn't want to say the Cowboys were done. Um, but after sitting on it, sleeping on it, Thinking about it right now, because I, I literally put a question mark on this one. Um, I'm 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 nervous for the Cowboys. That's weird for me to say because I've always been a I never really liked the Cowboys, but uh, as uh, Red has become one of my better friends, it's I've I've grown a I've grown a, a soft spot for them. And obviously for Dak Prescott and Zeke, I've always liked those two guys coming out of college. Uh, there's been a soft spot for the Cowboys, Sally, for me, uh, for all you Cowboy haters out there, but. Uh, I was pretty high on the Cowboys coming into the season. I, I didn't think they were – I thought they were a pretty decent team. I didn't think they were going to be as prolific offensively as they've been the past couple of years. But I thought that that defense was going to be good. And all I got to say is the defense didn't look bad. I mean, when you hold a, a, a team like the Buccaneers to, to to 19 points, I know the Buccaneers were a little off. And, and every team was a little off in week one. Excuse me, offensively. But uh, that was one of those ones It was like, all right, there was some benef- some positives, I mean, to that game. It wasn't just, you know, Buccaneers dominating defensively and dominating offensively. I mean, the Cowboys legitimately had a chance in that game with about, I think it was like 10 or 8 minutes left. I think they got the ball back with, it was 19-3. I mean, it was still technically a two-possession game. Uh, obviously, the times, uh, it, was, it was getting close, but... Uh, it wasn't over. So with that being said, I mean, I think that the Cowboys have figured something out defensively. I think they understand who they have to be defensively. Trayvon Diggs, I think he's taken a step forward. I saw some a bunch of great plays by him. Didn't feel like he was so aggressive when it came to just trying to, you know, pick the ball off or knock the ball away with a pass breakup. It felt like he was just technically just his technique was just better. You know, it just felt like he was more in the game, more focused. And I don't want to. Uh, put out rumors that he was never focused in, in playing football, but it felt like he was just so into that game. Trayvon, Micah Parsons made his impact on the game, which is my defensive player of the year uh, prediction so far uh, in this season. And the Cowboys, it's a, it's a rough situation to, to get to the point. Cooper Rush is your quarterback. Your, your receiving core is very, very, very thin um, without a with, – um, uh, Oh, Lord, I'm forgetting his name. Oh, man. Gallup, my Lord. Uh, yeah, without Gallup, the, 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 the uh, receiving core is a little weak. Uh, 
So, but I like Brown. I thought Malcolm, uh, not Malcolm. I can't remember his first name, but Brown for eighty-five for the Cowboys. I liked him a lot. He stepped up big time. But that 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 role that he was playing, it felt like it, it should be a uh, that you know that that role he was playing is Gallup's role. It felt like um, in with that explosiveness of Gallup. The overall, he's just an overall good receiver, a great two, like a championship two. I think Gallup can be, and Brown is a pretty solid three. And I don't mind the guys that were playing in the game behind uh, C.D. Lamb and, uh, and Brown, but those guys are not twos or threes. Those guys are fours and fives. You know, they're, they're good fours and fives, but they're not good twos and threes. So I think that's the one thing I noticed about the Cowboys is that their their skill positions are kind of weak uh, in the receiver position. I like their running backs, obviously, with uh, Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, um, but. The receivers is a big question mark for me, and obviously Dak Prescott being out with Cooper Rush in. And, and like me and Red talked about in the last podcast, I think it was, uh, you know, going into the season, you know, you put Dak as the only technical quarterback when they made cuts going into the season. And and obviously they put Rush on the practice squad with, uh, um, oh, what's the guy's name from Western uh, West Virginia, uh, drawing a blank on him, whatever his name is. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. Um, it's going to kill me if I don't, if I can't figure it out, but whatever he, <laughs> uh, that was a big question mark though, for me coming into this season was like, what are the Cowboys doing? I mean, I don't want to bring in my team just to talk about how great I, uh, our team is and how smart we are, but I feel like the Saints proved something over the past couple of years, especially Drew's cap- last couple of years into the NFL is how important a backup quarterback can be. Um, and I know the Saints backup quarterback is Andy Dalton, and the Cowboys never want to see Andy Dalton play for them ever again. Um, and that's that's that yeah, that's totally understandable. Cooper Rush has been there for a while. He's he's he probably understands the system better than anyone. Um, and with that all being said, I don't think the Cowboys should be making any type of trade or move for a quarterback. Uh, Red actually put in our little group chat earlier in the week that maybe you go after a Tyler Huntling, uh, not a Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think that's worth the, 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 the draft capital that you'd probably have to give up for a Jimmy Garoppolo. I like Tyler Huntley. I think he would fit in that system a little bit better than a Jimmy Garoppolo would. Uh, but I personally, I don't think you even give up picks. I think you either ride out with Cooper Rush or you sign a, a veteran to, to back him up and maybe take over in a week or two. And the only veteran I can think of that legitimately has a chance to play with the Cowboys, not even because of his skill, just because of his name, just because just to get people talking about the Cowboys, just to get that team fired up, get that locker room going, Cam Newton. You can hate me for that. Maybe he's not an NFL quarterback anymore, but Cam Newton, he would fit in that system beautifully, in my opinion. I mean, big arm, he's got legs like Dak, but he doesn't run as much as he used to. I mean... His accuracy is not nearly what, what where Dak's at. I mean, Dak's obviously a way more accurate passer and a better passer in general. But why would you give up a fifth-round pick for a quarterback that's not going to be your starter in five, six weeks or four weeks to get to that point too? I think you either ride out with Cooper Rush or you, or you go after a guy like Cam Newton. I think that's the only two options in this situation. I know Cowboys fans will probably – Hate me for saying that it should go after Cam Newton, but I, I, why would you give up draft capital for a guy that's only going to play for a couple weeks? Either you have a guy going into the season as a backup, or you live with your backup, or you sign a guy. And I think you have to sign a guy, or you live with Cooper Rush. 
Cowboys fans probably don't want to hear Cooper Rush's name or Cam Newton's name. At the end of the day, if that's your two quarterbacks, you're in a pretty tough situation in general. But I like Cam Newton. I've always been a fan of the guy, even in even though he was a interdivisional rival for me when he was at Carolina. I always just loved watching him. He was one of those guys you just he was must watch TV, you know, for a couple of those crazy seasons, especially in college. But that's my overall kind of opinion of the Cowboys, and I don't think it's the season's over. I don't think it's completely dead. I don't think that the Cowboys fans should just turn it and look for next season. I think if you can get out of this, you know, two and two, if if Dak, because Dak didn't go on IR, D- Dallas can get out of this thing. Two, 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 three, two and three, two and if it's six weeks, two and four, three and three. The season's not dead, you know. Obviously, you'd have to rattle off a bunch of wins, uh, especially since the Eagles look like the Eagles are pretty legit. Um, and the Giants aren't as bad as people thought, I guess. So it's an interesting division, interesting team, interesting situation over there in Dallas. Um, obviously, I'm not, much, not as much of a hater as I used to be. So uh, honestly, good luck to you Cowboys fans, and I, I hope you all figure it out. I understand what it's like to lose your start, starting quarterback uh, early in the season. So, But to move along, what about this Cardinals situation, y'all? It's a little weird, don't y'all think? I mean, I was halfway high on them. I mean, I even picked them to beat the Chiefs, I think, in week one. And they looked like possibly one of the worst teams in the league. I mean, I know they put up 21 points, but what Patty Mahomes did to that defense is just yeah, – it, it's honestly like – it, that should be a crime, honestly, if I'm being honest, y'all. Like, that. that I, I, let, me, let me just tell you the stat line. 30 of 39. 360 passing yards and five touchdowns. That is unreal, y'all. That is stupid good. Like, the people that actually thought Patty Mahomes wasn't Patty Mahomes anymore can just stop. Like, just stop. That narrative is dead. It's about as dead as Max Kellerman's argument that Tom Brady was falling off when he was still in New England. Like, it's dead. Just, just stop. Patty Mahomes is the... Uh, top two quarterback in this league. Top three. I mean, you can't tell me otherwise. This guy might make some questionable decisions every now and then, but he is so damn talented, so damn fun to watch. I mean, it's ridiculous that people actually thought, and this is me included. This is me included because I thought that the Chiefs were overrated. This is me also. It's crazy that I thought that the Chiefs were not going to be the Chiefs. It's crazy that I thought that. It is absolutely insane that I thought that after watching those highlights, after watching that game, it's just, I don't know what I was thinking, y'all. I don't know what I was thinking. Now that I look back at it, it's, I, I think this team's better. I think this team's better. Better defense. More over, overall, their defense is just deeper, I think. And honestly, I like the skill position players better. I think they're deeper in that position, too. Juju Smith. Sky Moore. Valdez Scanley. Travis Kelsey, Nicole Hardman. I mean, they got skill everywhere. Speed everywhere. Hands everywhere. This new running back. I, I'm, oh, God, I don't want to try and mess up his name. Pachaco, Pachico, Pacheo. I'm sorry. Whatever his name is. I'm sorry, whatever it is. I mean, he, he finished there with 12 carries, 62 yards, and a tutty. Clyde Edwards, Clyde Edwards, the layer is still there. He got a tutty. I mean, 
this team's interesting, y'all. And the Chiefs legitimately might be the best team still in the league. And I think they put the entire league on notice that, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the Chiefs are still the Chiefs, y'all. The Chiefs are still the Chiefs. And, and we can't forget that. I don't think we can forget that quite yet, y'all. Uh, overall, though, get back into the Cliff Kingsbury. Sorry to get on that tangent about the Chiefs. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, is he on the hottest seat in the league? I think that has to be true, right? I mean, it's like this guy has always been questioned since he's come into the league. Everyone's always questioned if he was NFL caliber. And now we're getting into it. You start Usually the Cardinals start great. They start hot. They're ready to go. And then they fall off later in the season. Now they just looked horrible in the first first game of the season. The defense couldn't stop a damn thing passing-wise. Running wise, it's just a lot of questions in Car- in, in Arizona right now. And if you're a Cardinals fan, I'm honestly kind of feeling bad for you because you got a lot of skill over there, man. They got some talent, man. That that roster is not bad. I I'm still on this Kyler train, that Kyler Murray train, man. I'm I, I really am. I'm trying to stay on it, but it's hard. I don't, I think Kingsbury is still holding this guy's back. This guy back. I think it's the system. I think I think. To get to the point, I think Kingsbury is easily on the hottest seat in the league for multiple reasons, and uh, we'll see. Though they got some, they got a matchup this week that uh, that will probably be interesting uh, coming out. Let's see. Let's actually see. Let me let me go look at this real quick, y'all. Week two, what we got? What we got for the Arizona Cardinals? Um, the Raiders. Oh, good God! I think that was gonna be a beatdown too, probably. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, Cardinals fans. Y'all got a rough start to the season with the Chiefs and the Raiders. Uh, but overall, they really need to win that game probably and at least look respectful if they lose. So to get to the point, like I said before a thousand times, I think Kingsbury is definitely on the hottest seat in the league uh, among coaches. But one coach that is definitely not on the hottest seat and is probably a super, 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 super early coach of the year candidate is over there in the Vikings. Wow. 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 The Vikings. I don't want to say that I'm a prophet or nothing, no, but the Vikings. Interesting team, man. They came out, handed the Green Bay Packers a fat L. There's no doubt to this one either, y'all. I mean, watching the game live, I, I mean, yeah, the Packers stuck around, but the Vikings were just the better team, man. They were just the better team. Vikings, I mean, the Packers didn't even score in the first half. Vikings went into the half uh, up 17-0. It was just, I know they only scored six points in the second half, but they just played that game so perfectly, in my opinion. It was just what Kirk Cousins did, what Justin Jefferson did, what Dalvin Cook did, what that, what, sorry, excuse me, what that coaching staff did. Man, I was absolutely impressed by the Vikings. I think... Overall, I think I think the, the Vikings are a legitimate team too. I think that team could win that division. I, I'm not. I know how the Packers are too, because the Packers love to come out in Week One and just stink up, stink up their joint, and act like they don't know how to play football. Um, but that being said, I think the Vikings can legitimately give a run for the the Packers. Uh, give the Packers a run for their money in that division. I really, really, truly think. That, that division's up for grabs right now, y'all. I know it might be an overreaction after week one, but what I saw from the Vikings is a team that offensively knows what they're finally, finally knows what they're doing. 
and defensively is way more de- uh, deep than they've been in the past couple of years. Uh, overall, the Vikings defense, besides the last couple of years, has always been a pretty respectable defense. And starting to feel like they've got that that edge back because Darius Smith's on that on that defense now, and he made a bunch of big plays for that for that defensive line. I think that the Vikings could give the Packers a, a run for their money. I was high on the Vikings coming into this season. I'm 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 even higher on them after that Week One performance. Uh, but kind of kind of just reminds y'all. I guess uh, I should have probably put this after the uh, whole Kingsbury debate. Uh, but uh, Patty Mahomes. Is he the best quarterback in the league, man? It's just, uh, is he the best quarterback still, man? Man, I didn't think I was going to have to debate this already, y'all. I, I thought it was going to have to me a couple weeks. You know, I have to think about this and have time. But, man, he looks special, didn't he? Didn't he just look special? If you watch that game, if you just go back and watch those highlights, man. And just look at those toes. I know, I know. It sounds like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a D rider for old Patty Mahomes. But, this guy, man, this guy can just do things that some quarterbacks can only dream of. It feels like the only two quarterbacks, the only other quarterback that can do what Patty Mahomes can do is Josh Allen, which is the only other quarterback that I think should be even in debate to be the best besides uh, old Patty Mahomes. So, honestly, in my opinion, I think we got 1A, 1B in this league when it comes to best quarterback, and that's between Josh Allen and Patty Mahomes. And honestly, the season might prove it. Whoever, whichever team's best, whichever player plays best, which I think at the end of the day will be whichever team is best. Uh, um, oh, man. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I don't know yet. I'm going to have to go with Patty, y'all. I'm going to have to go with Patty. I think Patty's just done more. I think he's just proven more overall. And coming to this season, looking at those skill players that they have on that squad and how deep they are now and – now that they don't have just it feels like only two guys to throw to, it feels like the, it's more about the system again. I gotta go with Patty. I think Patty is the best quarterback in the league again, as if he was not. You know, it's like pff, maybe you know whatever. But at the end of the day, last week of college, I mean NFL football was insanity. Loved every minute of it, and I am excited for all week two, which we will be getting in discussion about very, very, very soon with the games that uh, I have after my little UFC recap, which we'll get into right now, UFC 279. What an amazing, amazing card, uh, especially after all the absolute craziness that happened before it um, with changing of fights and changing of, of comp- uh, opponents and, and changing of, of, of the entire card overall and, and the changing of odds and and who who's fighting who and the question marks of why is this happening and and was Hamza told to not cut weight and I mean Jesus I've never experienced anything like this I mean I don't think Dana White has either in the UFC uh, but shout out to them for saving an amazing card that deserves that deserved to happen you know I know a lot of people coming into this uh, card was were thinking that you know the main event shouldn't even be happening it was feeding Nick Diaz to the Wolves and Chamayev and, you know, it was probably not going to be very competitive and all this and that, and Antonio was supposed to fight Li Jiang, and, you know, it was just, it was a weird card. I was excited for the main, the normal card that was going to happen, uh, but I got to be honest, I, I think this was way better. I think what they pulled off was a better card than, they, that, than what they had scheduled, y'all. I really, truly believe that. I, I, 
I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, let's start let's start off from the bottom. A, a quick little recap of this amazing card. Uh, I watched the entire main main card. I did watch some of the uh, undercards, but uh, I don't imagine y'all want to hear about that. Um, Johnny Walker in the first uh, fight of the main card. Um, Eon Kutalabe. Kutalabe, that's exactly how you say it. Eon Kutalabe. Uh, Johnny Walker did sub him in the first round of uh, four minutes and 37 seconds in that first round. So very close to the end of that round, but he was able to pull it off. What I saw from Johnny Walker is that dude is a big light heavyweight. Tall, strong, fast. Great striking, but he proved that this guy can go to the ground now. He's not afraid to get down and dirty. Uh, John Kavanaugh had him ready for that fight. Uh, I was impressed. I was impressed by what uh, Johnny Walker did out there. I've always been a Johnny Walker guy. I've always thought he was good. Just got caught on the wrong end of some some punches and some kicks. So I've always been a Johnny Walker guy. It was good to see him not win, but win by submission in such a weird Slash halfway dominant way. I mean, first round, got him out of there. A guy that you, like, could love it. You don't want to get on the ground with this guy. And and Johnny Walker was very okay with that. He got down there and, and he did his job. Um, and I, I was very, very impressed with that. Um, so, shout out to Johnny Walker. Great performance. I hope uh, your next fight is just as good. Um, next fight was a women's fight in the, it was a catch weight. There was a lot of catch weights in this one, so. I'm sorry if I don't get the exact weights right. Uh, this fight was very, very interesting in the women's division. Uh, I, Iron Aldana versus Macy Chassion. Uh, heck of a fight throughout. I mean, Macy, she she was hitting hard uh, late. Um, but Aldana started out hot. She started hot, was hitting, hitting hard, you know, coming to at Chassion. Because Ch- Chassion, I think she... If I'm not mistaken, I might be wrong with it. I think she came in as the favorite uh, in that fight. And Aldana just put it on her. Put it on her early. Got her put backing up on that back foot. Uh, impressive start uh, for Aldana. And Chasson in that second round got her to the ground. She uh, she kind of dominated in that second round, honestly. To the point where it was probably 1-1 going to that third round. And people were questioning, you know, how that fight would might end. And, of course... Aldana finished in beautiful fashion with a KO, TKO finished. Heck of a fight. If she finished that one in the third round with two minutes and 21 seconds left. Uh, crazy, crazy. It was so weird that how it ended because, I mean, Chaison was would have way more output and, and landed more, obviously. But significant strikes, this is a crazy, this is a fun stat for me. This is, one, this is honestly the stat that proves why Aldana won for me. Uh, significant strikes, Aldana Slightly less uh, uh, strikes in total, but uh, with 37 significant strikes with 71 thrown. Uh, but uh, with Chase on, uh, with uh, 39 landed, 94 thrown. So way more efficient on Aldana's side. And that, that's one thing I watched. What I noticed when I was watching uh, that fight was how technical and, and she, she was throwing, but she wasn't, you know... She wasn't overthrowing. She wasn't throwing too many heavy shots. The shots that she were throw, she was throwing were, you know, very calculated, very on time. She was hitting her with the, the big shots when she needed to. Um, and then, she, you know, she just caught her. She caught her with a big shot and you know, got the job finished. Big win for Irene Aldana at 279. Next fight, though. This one, 
This one made me mad, y'all. This one made me mad, y'all. This one made me mad, bro. Mad, bro. Daniel Rodriguez, I, I, I love the guy, D Rod. Good fighter. Fun guy to watch. But man, Lee Jang Lee won, bro. Lee Jang Lee won that fight, bro. I don't care what anyone says. Lee Jang Lee won that fight. I know. It was a it was a close fight. It was a close one. When it comes to striking wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D Rod did outstrike him. But it just it felt just it just felt like like Jingling Li Jing Li was better. It just felt like he was I don't want to say dominating, but it just the entire fight was at his pace. It never was at D Rob's pace. Those first two rounds, you can those were halfway toss ups, you know. Like the first round, I, it was it was Lee, and then and maybe D Rob snuck a second. But um, in the one thing though, I gotta say, you know, even though I do think Lee got robbed, Lee did come off the gas in that third round. It did come off the gas a little bit, and I hate me personally. I don't want to see that. I I don't want to see a fighter that's thinks he's up 2-0, but you know, a little questionable being 2-0 going to that third round. You know, and then he takes the gas off like he thinks he's already won that fight. And it was just like, come on, bro. Like, go after him, man. Like, this is not a definitive, you know, decision, you know. Like, you uh, like you may have won those two rounds. Like, it was questionable you won those two rounds. And then he comes out in that third round. And he, and he still he still fought hard and, and landed some heavy shots and big shots and nice, nice combos. But D-Rob just had more grit to him. It felt like he was more... He felt like he wanted to win that fight a little bit, just a little bit more. Um, but for Lee, I mean, that was it was a tough fight, you know, less than 24-hour notice before the fight against, you know, a guy he was supposed to fight Tony Ferguson, and he goes to D-Rob, you know, different styles, different fighters, you know. It, it, it was a tough situation for Lee, even though I still think Lee was robbed in that one. So at the end of the day, I think Lee is a very, 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 very good fighter. That deserves another chance at a a, 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 a big fighter again um, at, at his weight class because this was once again was a catch weight. So once again, thank you, Lee, for making that fight happen against D-Rob. And congrats, D-Rob. Uh, he, hopefully he can get a, a nice fight sooner rather than later um, as he won that fight. 17-2 17, 17 now for D-Rob. Um, but moving on, this fight. <laughs> I was more excited about this one than any other fight, and it ended up being the crazy, the, probably the fastest slash most uncompetitive fight. I mean, Kevin Holland fought as hard as he could against uh, um, Shemayev, uh Hamza Shemayev, but man, Shemayev is a freaking dog. My God, the pressure that man put on him. I mean, he didn't even let him. They didn't even. They didn't even be able to slap gloves before the round started. Before he shot a takedown. And halfway landed it, then beautiful, beautiful rolling. Oh, my God. They flowed together beautifully on the ground. Um, I'm not trying to act like I know exactly what's happening at all times, but uh, uh, what I saw uh, wrestling and, and, and jiu-jitsu-wise between those two fighters on the ground trying to just get positions, and Kevin Holland trying to get out of the positions, dominant positions Chamayev was in, and then Chamayev countering those those changes by uh, Kevin Holland into getting to another dominant position. He flowed beautifully on the ground. Chamayev proved something to everyone that I'm here, and 
I'm only fighting the best of the best at this point. You know, I know he's taking a fight with Nate. It was a money fight for him. It was a smart fight for him. Um, but Chamayev proved something to a lot of people because Kevin Holland's a dog, man. Kevin Holland is a guy that you that is one of those people you just don't want to see across the ring from you, bro, uh, or across the octagon octagon from you. That is one guy you don't want to see. And Jemayev made it look like it was light work, man, with a submission in the first round with only two two minutes and 13 seconds in. Honestly, probably could have happened earlier. It was a domination from the first second to that two minute and 13 uh, second mark. Heck of a fight. Jemayev has earned himself a fight. The big question with him now, where is he fighting? Middleweight or welterweight? I think he's just got to make the move to middleweight. I think that's where he's going to get his biggest fights anyways. After Usman uh, took the L to Leon last um, main card, and by the way, amazing uh, freaking leg kick by Leon. Watch that one live. Crazy. It's one of the craziest knockouts. Probably the craziest I've ever wa- watched since it was for a belt. Um, no offense to Michael Chandler with his front kick to old Tony Ferguson. Um, but Tamayev, he's ready. I think he should go to middleweight. I think whoever he fights between, especially between Adesanya and Piero, whoever wins that one at uh, UFC 281, I think that that's the move for Tremayev. I think middleweight, get to your 185 weight. That's when you're – maybe you're not the most dominant person anymore when it comes to size, but, I mean, the guy can't make 170. It was proven he was eight pounds overweight. The doctor stopped him. I think that's what people have been ta- – uh, the, the report is around the UFC. So I think Tremayev needs to make the move. I personally think of Piero versus – uh, Chimaev or uh, Adesanya versus uh, Chimaev fight is way more interesting than a Usman versus Chimaev or a, a Leon Edwards versus Chimaev fight. Um, only because styles make fights, and those two guys are not stylistically made for Chimaev, but those guys could piece up Chimaev. So I think it'd be a very fun fight to watch either or whoever wins that uh, fight at the UFC 281. But what a fight, Jamayev. You're a dog. You're a guy that people are going to have to keep an eye on. I think everyone already knew about you, but uh, after that performance, I think everyone. If they don't know now, they definitely know now. So, hell of a fight, hell of a win, hell of a submission by Jamayev. And Kevin Holland, I hope the best for you. You're one of my favorite fighters out there, so I hope you figure it out. Moving on to the main event of the night. This one should have happened years ago. We should have seen this one in their primes. At the end of the day, what a beautiful, amazing, crazy fight, y'all. I mean, that was the definition of a fight. I I know it wasn't the most skilled guys out there. I know it wasn't the two best of the best. I know it wasn't Nate Diaz versus Tony Ferguson in their prime. But it was so fun to watch, man. I mean, the technique, the the style, the Nate Diaz taking breathing breaks. I mean, Nate Diaz don't give a shit, y'all. I mean, he does not care. Homies, he is an OG of the sport. He's one of the guys that built this sport. He's one of the guys that made the sport what it is. He's he's one of the people you think of when you hear UFC. He was one of those names that come up to your mind immediately, uh, with likes of Conor McGregor, John Jones, Daniel Cormier, uh, GSP. I mean, he he is in that name. Maybe you know he's not as amazing of a fighter as those guys. Maybe he never won that the, the gold or nothing, but. Nate Diaz has earned his respect in this sport. And if that was, if that was the last fight of Nate Diaz's career, um, what a what a way to go out. And man, respect to you, man. 
OG of the sport, uh, one of my favorite fighters of all time, one of the reasons why I still love this sport. Um, but maybe we get a Connor versus Diaz uh, trilogy. Maybe, maybe, maybe. That's a big maybe. We'll see how that goes because I think uh, old Nate Diaz might be a. Uh, he might he might be uh, uh making his own little fight league or fight commission. So good luck to that with Diaz. But at the end of the day, hell of a submission in the fourth round by Nate Diaz with a beautiful guillotine on t- Tony Ferguson's uh, takedown attempt in the fourth round uh, with two minutes and fifty two seconds. And amazing fight, Nate Diaz. You're one of the greatest, one of my favorite fighters. I think I've said it enough times at this point. Nate Diaz, thank you for all the memories, all the beautiful press conferences, your beautiful, beautiful poetic voice. And beautiful, beautiful, beautiful speaking words. You are a legend of the sport. And I will always uh, look up to you when it comes to when people talk about the legends and who made that, made the UFC, what it is today. So thank you, to, uh, Nate Diaz. And also, like I was, like I just said, Tony, thank you. Uh, it's probably time for old Tony to get out of the sport. But uh, like I said, thank you for the memories. You know, I sadly didn't get to see uh, old Oh, 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 Tony Ferguson in, uh, in his prime. I didn't get to see that that kind of Tony, but uh, I've watched the highlights. I know how dominant of a fighter he was when he was on that winning streak. And I know how much he really deserved that title fight against uh, Khabib and never got it. And you hate to see that he never got it, but uh, at the end of the day, if it is time for Tony as well, thank you as well. Hell of a fighter. Hell of Both of them are hell of a fighters. And whatever they do next, I imagine it will be greatness as always. Because um, that's what they do. They're great. They don't do anything that's not great. So, But with that being said, let's move right along to UFC 280. What else can I say about this fight? If y'all haven't heard the, the main card for this one, I mean, where are you, y'all? I mean... The the match five I'm about to get more familiar with. It's a, a woman's fight in the flyweight division, so I don't want to mess up names or nothing and not know what I'm talking about, so I'm going to skip over that one. Going into the fourth fight of this one, Benel Darnoush versus Gamrot. Not going to try his first name. Sorry, Gamrot, but that fight is a fight. Benel Darnoush, honestly, could be fighting for the belt, if we're being honest. I mean, he might he might have already earned that, 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 that rep. He might have already earned... Uh, that status, but Darnie said, I don't care. I'm going to fight the the scariest, one of the scariest uh, up-and-comers in this division because that's what I do. Uh, I don't I don't care who I fight. Darnoosh will fight anyone at any time at any place. And that's why I love Darnoosh so much. Uh, Minel is a hell of a wrestler, a hell of a striker. All around just a great, great talent in the lightweight division. You know what? Hits like, hits like his hands are made of lead. Uh, so... That's an interesting fight. Uh, it's, uh, it's stylistically, might not be the best fight for Darush, but of course he's going to take that fight because that's what Benel does. He fights anyone at any time. You know, he might have got hurt uh, before his Islam uh, his fight with Islam, but uh, he was the only guy to take the fight against Islam. No one wanted to fight Islam. No one. Why would you want to fight Islam? I mean, it could be, you know, a disciple of Khabib. I mean, this guy is as dangerous as they come, Islam is. And Brunel said, all right, bet, I'll, I'll fight him. If that's what it takes to get to the belt, I'll do it. So, respect to Darnus to taking this fight against Gamrot. Not saying that Gamrot's any light opponent because Gamrot could put anyone to sleep at any time and fight with anyone at any time in the lightweight division, it feels like, because he is on that rise. I think he's over there at American Top Team uh, fighting with uh, Dustin Poirier. I'm pretty sure. I might be wrong about that, so sorry if I am. But 
what a what a fight uh, to get things going in that uh, main event for uh, two. 80 uh, UFC 280 and then the oh, what a wild fight after that we got Peter Yan versus Sean O'Malley Sean O'Malley's been coming up he's been coming up the ranks he's been waiting for this fight he's been wanting a fight like this he's been wanting the top of the top of the food chain and when you look at the uh bantamweight division uh for US the men's bantamweight division you there is a gatekeeper sometimes these divisions have gatekeepers I mean Alzheimer's Sterling is the champ the gatekeeper is Peter Yon. I mean, TJ Dillashaw, which I'll get to in a second, is fighting Aljamain Sterling, but Peter Yon is the is the second best in that division. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, not a lot of people can beat Peter Yon. They had to get someone else in there. They, they couldn't do another fight with Peter Yon immediately with Aljamain Sterling. So uh, Peter Yon is a dangerous fight, such a dangerous fight for Sean O'Malley. But respect to Sean O'Malley, man. I mean, the, the last fight he was in, I was actually got to go watch that one in Las Vegas. Uh, it was ended because of an eye poke. Um, Sean looked great in that fight, too. I mean, Sean looked really, really, really technical, striking-wise, was keeping distance, was pl- fighting very smart. Uh, I do think he would have got the finish at the at the end of the day if it would have kept going. Um, but to to do to, for that to happen and then take a Peter Yon fight, that's, that's ballsy, man. That's... Takes a, a a lot, man, to go do that to fight one of the most dangerous men in the in the USC. I mean, not just in the bantamweight division, not just in MMA. I mean, this this guy is one of the most dangerous fighters on the planet. And Peter Yan, the guy hits also hits like he's got freaking stones in his hand, you know, and he can wrestle with the best, you know. So that's a hell of a fight, Peter Yan versus Sean O'Malley. Very excited about that one. Moving on to the Alderman versus TJ Dillashaw. Championship title fight of the bantamweight division. Alderman's Sterling's, well, technically, I guess you could say first-ish, defense-ish. I mean, he did technically defend it against old Peter Yon, so this will be technically his second uh, defense, in my opinion. Uh, this was a close one, uh, odds-wise. Alderman's only a minus 165 favorite at this point. That could obviously uh, change as we get closer to the day. I don't see it that close, man. I love DJ, uh, TJ. Um, I hate what happened with him when with the PEDs back in the day. Uh, but when watching him, he's just a fun fighter. Uh, his fight with Sanhagen was so close. Um, I think it was Sanhagen. I'm, I'm probably just talking about nobody. I think it was against Sanhagen. I'm pretty pretty sure it was against Sanhagen. And it, it was such such a close fight. And... Uh, uh, and you could have made the you could have made the point that that he didn't that TJ lost that fight, uh, but I I did say that TJ won. I was happy for TJ. It's crazy that TJ got a, a title fight right after that, but that's what TJ does. TJ sells tickets. TJ's a a legend of this sport. I mean, the guy never even lost the belt. Technically, never even lost it. I mean, he had to give it up after he got busted on PEDs. I mean, the guy's never lost a title fight. Every single time he's fought the title fight, he's won. So. It's hard not bet. It's hard to bet against old TJ. But uh, I think Aljamain's story is going to – I think he's going to put a show on. I think he's going to prove why he is the champion in that division. I think uh, the doubters are going to kind of have to be quiet for a little bit until they get that Peter Yon fight. So I think Aljamain gets that one done. I don't know if I picked the Peter Yon one. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, I'm probably going to lean on Peter Yon, but I like Sean. I, I don't think you can count out Sean. I think that's going to be a weird fight. If Sean wins, it cannot – it won't be – won't be later. It'll be early, I think. I think he get, he's going to have to put him out early. So, But to get back to Aljamain, I think Aljamain gets that one finished. 
rather quickly-ish, probably. I think he gets a finish in the, the third, second round uh, against TJ Dillashaw. Respect to TJ, though. Glad to see him back in the title fight. And then the biggest fight of possibly the year. The fight that everyone's been wanting, everyone's been calling for. Uh, Khabib's been calling for it. Uh, Charles even called for it. I mean, Islam called for it. It's Charles versus Islam, not Michael Chippewa. Charles Oliveira. There's a... The champion has a name, and his name is Charles Oliveira. I know. I know. He didn't make weight. But Charles Oliveira is the best lightweight in the world. No one can say yes or no about that. He is the best in the world. Charles Oliveira is the best lightweight in the world. And he's my favorite fighter right now, if I'm being honest. I mean, action-packed fighter. There is no... I don't think there's a more action-packed fighter in the world. I mean... I mean, when you look at the guy, yeah, it's like submissions and knockouts. And he, but he finishes. He is a finisher. This guy is a berserker. This guy doesn't just sit on his back foot, find your counters. No, 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 no. He is coming at you with a pace that is unmatched, you know. But that's what makes this fight so interesting is because Islam also brings that pressure, that Khabib-like pressure. So who's going to be bringing the pressure to who? Who's going to be pushing who to the fence? Who's going to be initiating the first takedown, which will obviously probably be Islam. But do you want to go to to the ground with Charles is the real question. Because every single time someone goes to the ground with Charles, it's, it ends up pretty poorly, except if you're Michael Chandler. Um, somehow he was able to get out of that, that body lock in, uh, uh, back into his title title fight with Charles. But, wow, what a fight. I don't want to get too, too, too in-depth with it because we, we got a little bit of time until this one, as it is an October 22nd date. Uh, but wow, what a fight! What a fight! Charles versus Islam. I'm a Charles fan, so I'm gonna be rooting for Charles. Crazy that he's the underdog. This guy keeps get uh get, keeps getting underrated. Uh, as he is a plus one forty five underdog, Islam is a minus one seventy under uh favorite. As those lines will obviously probably change. I probably see those lines changing more to Charles's favor. I think that I don't think it'll be even by the time it fights, but it'll be. I think it'll be closer uh, odds uh, for that championship fight. Hell of a fight, most competitive uh, championship fight uh, coming into it. And I, I can remember in a long time. I know that Leon just beat Usman, but I, I, I didn't think Usman was gonna lose. I don't think anyone thought Usman was gonna lose that fight. So going to this one, I no one knows. I mean, it could be either Islam or Charles. Uh, one thing I know that's not going to happen is that Charles will not be dominated. And Charles probably will not dominate Islam. So it's going to be a very competitive, very, very competitive fight. Uh, but with that being said, that's UFC 280. Amazing, 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 amazing card. Y'all better keep an eye on that. Hopefully we can get some more uh, recaps or analysis on it before that fight happens, as it is probably the biggest card of the year. Also, big announcement over the break for UFC uh, since the last time we had a podcast, UFC announced that Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler, possibly my favorite fighter in the UFC right now, will be on UFC 2, 281. This card already has fights between Carla, Carla Esparza versus Zhang Weili and Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pereira. What an amazing card as well. I don't know if it competes with that that 280 card, but... Man, it's a hell of a card, man. With once you add Dustin Char- uh, Chandler, I mean, it's immediately a better card. For being honest, so I want to keep an eye on that one big time. Uh, Chandler's my favorite fighter, but Dustin's—he's growing on me since the Connor fights. You know, he's Dustin is a dog. I mean, I feel like I've said that about a bunch of guys on this podcast so far, but 
Dustin Poirier is he is going to drag you into deep waters that you have never been to and that you don't want to go to and that only he feels like he's been to. Um, but if there's one guy that can weather that storm, it's Michael Chandler because Michael Chandler is that dude. Michael Chandler is one of the only people in the world that can take a punch straight on the jaw from Justin Gaethje and just walk through him, you know, uh, and take a freaking upper uppercut to the perfect uppercut and somehow bounce back and halfway, you know, still put on some uh, decent performance in that uh, Mima Gaethje fight. So amazing fight, amazing card. I'm going to be keeping my eye on that one. Michael Chandler hopefully can pull that one off, even though I do really, really, really like Dustin Poirier. That's a hard fight for me to pick, as I am fans of both the guys. But uh, I'm a big Chandler fan so far. So we'll see how I'm feeling at the time of that fight. But the moment y'all been all waiting for, I know this is kind of prolonging a little bit longer than I expected here. The NFL preview for this week, what a crazy week we have. I picked a couple of games that really caught my eye. Uh, with some score predictions, so I'll kind of go through these ones and give you all my ideas about this. Uh, starting with the Chargers versus the Chiefs. I think this is, I think, pretty sure this is tomorrow's game at the, yeah, well, I'm, I'm recording this on Wednesday. I'll be dropping on Thursday. So, technically today, I guess. Uh, Thursday night football. Wild game. Probably the two best in the division, I guess we could agree on that so far. I got Chiefs winning. 32-28. I just think it's going to be a very, very offensively competitive game. I think uh, the Chargers are going to compete throughout the game. I don't think they're ever going to be out of it. I just think the Chiefs might make a couple more stops. Um, Not because their defense is better. I think the Chargers have a better defense. I just think maybe one of the – maybe a skill player makes a mistake on the Chargers. Maybe without having with – sorry – Starting a game without Keenan Allen will cause problems. You don't have your elite route runner anymore with Keenan Allen on that field. I think maybe that just hinders them back just enough for them to lose this one, 32-28. to 28. Got the Chiefs. Patty Mahomes has another big day. Um, but Khalil Mack, I want to bring him up too real quick with three sacks in that week one matchup for the Chargers. Early defensive player of the year candidate, I think. We can all agree on that. Uh, you'd love to see Khalil Mack still balling. I mean, that guy – when he's on the Raiders, gets straight to the Bears, and then now here it's just he's one of the legends of the sport. I think people forget that um, uh, when it comes to elite defensive ends in the league right now. He is a major weapon for that team. Uh, coming on the other side of him was Joey Bosa, so that's a nasty one-two punch. Uh, so with that being said, though, I think the Chiefs do still pull it off with that new offensive line. I think they can protect Patty Mahomes just enough to get that that win for them. Moving on to my favorite team of uh, of the week, obviously, my New Orleans Saints are facing their, you know, you know their sons of the regular season. Not, I didn't bring up playoffs because they did beat us in the playoffs. Saints versus Bucks. Pretty much, in my opinion, it's going to – it's not going to decide who's the best in the division, but this these two teams are the best in the NFC South. Hell of a game. As a Saints fan, I don't know how to feel about coming to this game after what we did week one against the Atlanta Falcons, uh, looking rather weird for three quarters and then becoming the greatest team of all time in the fourth and James Winston having a perfect passer rating in that fourth quarter with two tutties and 216 or 17 or 13, you know, 200-something yards uh, with only three incompletions, 13 to 16. Hell of a fourth quarter by old James Winston, Lasik James, as Nolan Lee likes to say, my brother in his fantasy league. 
Uh, but to the point, I think the Saints proves that they have the Bucks number again in the regular season. I wasn't too impressed by the Bucks. I was impressed by their defense. Their defense is pretty legit still, I think. Uh, I think the Bucks are going to be competitive throughout the season. I think that the offense is a little weird, man. I, I mean, Chris Caldwell can't stay healthy. And Leonard Fournette's a big asset. He's balling. He, he balled week one. But I think the Bucks. I don't think they struggle. I, I think they look rather okay. But I think the Saints come out. I think we're gonna. Uh, the Saints are gonna come out ready. I think they're gonna show what this offense can be. I think they're gonna show the fans that hey, this offense can start early and keep going into the fourth quarter, which is why I have the Saints. And, and before I get to the score, I, I think the defense will look good uh, early on. I think we might give up some big plays later in the game uh, as we have a bigger lead. And they might close the gap a little bit, but at the end of the day, I think the Saints will pull this one off with a double-digit win, 34-21. to 21. I don't think the Bucks look bad. I don't think the Bucks look like the way worse team or they're not even on a level. I think they compete pretty well with us. But uh, I just think I think the Saints are going to come out there and, and have a good offensive performance to prove that this offense can be legit this year, even though we struggled. <laughs> We struggled in uh, uh, week one against the Atlanta Falcons offensively for three quarters. So I got the Saints winning 34-21 to in a gritty, gritty, weird game against the Buccaneers at 12 o'clock in the Superdome. But to move along to the Dolphins versus Ravens game, this one's an interesting one. CDM's favorite team in the Dolphins looked good week one, too. It looked like a pretty good quarterback week one, and the Ravens look like, you know, the Ravens. The Ravens are a solid team, deep. Uh, got a, a much healthier than they were last year, so it feels like they are a little more confident about their team and their skill sets. Uh, Rashad Bateman's kind of starting to step up at the receiver position, and uh, Lamar's Lamar. You know, Lamar's going to do Lamar, and uh, that system's going to do what it does. Um, but I think the Dolphins are a good team this year. I think their defense is starting to figure some things out. I think the offense is going to progress. As the season goes on, Jalen Waddle is a guy. Tyreek Hill is a guy. Those guys are so fast. That offense is so fast for the uh, for the Dolphins. I think they they edge the Ravens in a very competitive game, uh, twenty four to twenty one. Dolphins pull off. Uh, let's see. Hang on. Let me see if that's an upset. Actually, it probably is. We got yeah. Baltimore is a three and a half favorite. So yeah, I, I would have the Dolphins covering and pulling off the upset in that one. Heck of a game. Interesting game. Probably the most intriguing game for me just because this is a proven game for both teams. Both teams are on the fence when it comes to, are these teams legit? Can they compete in their divisions? You know, even though the Ravens are in a way better situation to win their division as they only have to compete with the Steelers and Bengals and, and the Browns, even though all those teams, when they're healthy, they're good teams. But the Dolphins have the Bills. I mean, the Bills might be the best team in the whole entire league. So, at the end of the day, I think the the I'm sorry if I've said it at the end of the day a thousand times, by the way, but Dolphins pull off the win 24-21 is what I think happens on Sunday against the Ravens 2 p- 12 p.m. for that game on CBS. Uh, Bengals versus Cowboys. Uh, poor Cowboys. Uh, probably coming in this game, would have probably had a more competitive if Dak was healthy. Um, it would probably been a really fun game to watch, honestly, offensively and defensively. And the Bengals coming off of a weird, weird, dirty just not clean game by them. Joe Burrow looked kind of just terrible um, with all of his turnovers. I, I don't know what's up with the Bengals, honestly. 
Uh, I don't know what to take away. There's like certain games where you just look so bad that you really can't take away much from it. So I think the Bengals just got to get this fresh started, coming to this game ready to go, trying to just – you know, beat a team that they had, they should be beating. Uh, the Cowboys, there's no reason the Cowboys should be beating the Bengals with Cooper rushing this one. Uh, if you're a Bengals fan or a Bengal player, you, you got to be thinking about that in the back of your mind. So I got the Bengals winning this one. Pretty sizable win, 27-13. Cowboys actually put up more points with Cooper Rush somehow. I don't, I don't know if that's possible. But 13, I think that's a respectable score. I think they can muster up maybe 13 points. Uh We'll see, though. Uh, I was very, very generous, I felt like, on that 13 points. Um, 27 felt was a little high because I do – I am kind of high on the Cowboys' defense, but I, I think the Cowboys are going to be a little discombobulated without Dak. So, week one – first week without Dak going to be a little rough, I think. So, Bengals 27, Cowboys 13. In a – when is this game happening? In a 325 kickoff at uh, – on CBS in – Arlington, Texas. Now moving on to the Tennessee versus Bills game. Uh, two years ago, this would have been a fun game to call. I think it would have been pretty competitive. But uh, after what I saw with the Bing, I mean, the Titans did against the Giants. I mean, what the heck, man? What the heck? What 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 is that? You know? So at the end, it's just ugh. after watching that one, I just ugh, I don't know what to think about the Titans, y'all. I don't. Is it Malik season already? Is it Malik Willis time? I don't know if I'm ready to say that yet either. But I think it's Ryan Tannehill is just trying to lose his job or something. I don't know. But uh, I think the Bills just handle the Titans. I don't think this is a competitive game at all. I think the Bills come out and prove that they are still and probably are the best team by far, at least at this point through the season. They're the most ready team. They know who they are defensively and offensively. I think they get put the beat down on the te- Tennessee Titans, 35-14. That one is a Monday night game as also as uh, 6-15. Uh, the, the, this game and the next game about to predict is on Monday night football. This one is the first one on ESPN, ESPN2. Uh, but, yeah, got the Bills pulling off a big upset, 35-14 against the Titans. Moving on to the last game I'm going to predict this week and probably the – most competitive game. I don't know if it's, it might be more, more more intriguing in the Dolphins Ravens game. It's like neck and neck for me. Like I said, the Dolphins Ravens a very intriguing game. It might be my most intriguing game for me. Uh, but this one competes very hard and probably might it might take the cake. I don't know. I was debating it before I got on started the podcast. Uh, but Vikings versus Eagles. A seven thirty kickoff. They're they're in Philadelphia. The Eagles look good. But they let the Lions come back, you know? Like, the Eagles look good, but they're, they're, it was still close, you know? Like, the Eagles look good, but it was still close. And what I saw from the Vikings, man, I was impressed. As you could tell, I mean, I talked about them earlier. I'm, I'm very, very, very high on the Vikings at this point. It's hard for a Saints fan to say, too, after all the miserable heartbreaks they've put on my team. Even though I put a, we put a heartbreak on them in the 2009 season, even though it's been... 13 years now, uh, I hold on to it dear to my heart, trust me. Uh, that's the point. Vikings versus Eagles, it's – I like I like the the Vikings and Eagles a lot. I think they both could win their division. Um, this is why I have it such a competitive game. It's a two-point spread for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, so I do actually have the Vikings covering 
and defeating the Eagles 27 to 24 on Monday Night Football at 7:30 in Philadelphia. Vikings are here, I think. I think they start the season 2 and 0 and beat two teams that are probably going to be in the playoffs. So Vikings fans, if you're out there and you hear Nate Dog talking about a oh the old Skull Nation, yeah, I'm pretty high on y'all. I think I think y'all got a team. I think y'all got a squad. More importantly, I think y'all got a coach that can make this a team. And, you know, skill is one thing, but a skill with a coach is a different thing. So, at the end of the day, I think this Viking team finally knows who they are offensively. I think they are figuring out who they are defensively. And sky's the limit. Sky's the limit out there in Minnesota. And I, I'm, once I said I've said it a thousand times, and I'm going to say it one more time. I'm super high on them. I think they win that one 27-24 to in Philadelphia against the Eagles on Monday night football. But I think that's going to do it for us all. I think that's going to do it for us. I hope I didn't butcher this podcast and making it a solo podcast with Ethan being out. But he will be back next week if you, if he's y'all's favorite host. I, I completely understand. My man knows his sports as well as I do, I think. But to wrap this one up, I hope y'all enjoyed this episode of The Pound Perspective presented by Nate Dog Sports. If you need to get in contact with me, go through my social medias, uh, Nate Dog Sports, uh, at Nate Dog Sports on uh, Instagram, uh, ND2 under, uh, underscores sports on Twitter. Uh, I'll make a video about this to announce this episode later so go check that out on my instagrams uh also follow those if you're looking for more sports content as we're going to be dropping some new content on those as red is going to kind of maybe make a little 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 social media little social media thing for y'all so i hope that works out for us and and be on the lookout for our youtube channel for nate dog sports we're going to be hopefully uh producing a new youtube show for y'all to get a little bit more in-depth on these sports, but stay on the lookout. We're building something here. Hopefully it can uh, build to what we expect it to be. And, and at the end of the day, we just love doing it. So hope y'all enjoyed episode. What is this? 14? I think. Wow. Episode 14. I think that's what it is. Hang on before I get out of here. Let, let's make sure that I, I got that right. Y'all I don't want to, don't want to sound like an idiot right here that, and I was right. Look at me. Look at me. Yo, look at me go y'all. But to, to not keep you any longer. Episode 14 of the Pound Perspective. I hope you all enjoyed it. Red will be back next week. We'll be breaking down week three or week two of the NFL season, week three of college football, and maybe we can uh, break down some other things with our news break as well. We skipped that today uh, as he was out. But I hope you all enjoy it. I hope you all know where to go to, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. If you're listening to it at this point, you probably already found it. So I uh, hope you all enjoyed episode 14 of the Pound Perspective, presented by Nick Dog Sports. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Pound Perspective. If you're interested in joining Nate Dog for an episode or need more information on Nate Dog and his brand, contact him at natedogsports.com. And don't forget to share with friends and family. Thanks again for listening to The Pound Perspective, a breath of fresh sports. <laughs>